Hey guys, your fellow local Redditor here. Make sure to swing into this episode of Stacked. Grab your big Thor's hammers, your Captain America shields, your big bucket of popcorn, your soda pop, and get ready to marvel out. Get ready to marvel at this amazing episode of Stacked Podcast, the Reddit's number one podcast when it comes to Marvel Entertainment. Thanos, guys. Guys, let's all chant Thanos. 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 That's right, everybody. Welcome back to Stacked Episode 80. 80 episodes of this fucking shit. 80 episodes of this. Who would have thunk? Who would have thought? I thought, you know what? I was gonna be honest. I thought Brandon would quit after three episodes, but look, he's still here. Look at Hi. Him. Shirtless. Okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm pantsless, so we can we can match. Ethan's not wearing. Brandon, any, together any we can make one outfit. <laughs> what about Chris? All right. With our powers combined. With our powers combined, Chris, wear a hat or something, so then we can make a whole fucking person. Anyways, um... <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're talking about Marvel movies. We're back on our bullshit here. You know us. We're talking about Marvel movies. We're marveling out. We're soy-facing. We're Reddit... We're getting Reddit gold. We're moment... We're Reddit momenting. Uh, no. We wanted to talk about Marvel movies because, well, a little Marvel movie's coming out uh let's see this will come out next sun this sunday so it'll come be out this friday this coming friday when this episode drops this coming friday dr strange and the dr strange and the multiverse of madness will be out in theaters and if you believe it it is friday once again no um, <laughs> yeah dr strange David big multiverse Lynch, movie <laughs> i love marvel movies and if you believe it I love no he probably hates them. Um Yeah, Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness. I mean, that's a movie we're all anticipating to bring in a bunch of uh tap into a lot of universes of Marvel's past cuz it's a multiverse movie. So I thought, you know, what better thing to do is to take a look back at Marvel's whole legacy of their comics adapted to film and sort of figure out which ones are the best ones to uh, to watch in a three film marathon. Brandon's got his chocolate bunny, <laughs> nice chocolate bunny. Um, bad bunny, no, oh, yeah. no, bad bunny, bad, bad bunny. <laughs> Why is his name bad bunny? I don't get it. Was he born like that? It's a stage name? Who is he? I don't even know who he is. John Cena. He's John Cena? He's a musical artist and he's playing... Huh. Okay. Well, maybe he'll be a good bunny in El Muerto. Uh, okay, anyways, back to Marvel movies. Um... I just want to say before we start this episode, there are a list of films that you will not see mentioned today. Maybe some honorable mentions, but we've already picked these for final stacks, uh, so you will, you will not hear us talking about them because I am fairly sure some of these films would have been included on our stacks, and those movies are 
uh, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Logan, Deadpool, and X-Men First Class. But everything besides that is free game. It's free for anybody who wants to fucking take them or not. So, that's what we're going with. Uh, guys, to pick out the three quintessential Marvel films, what was that like for you guys to put together this list? Brandon, let's start with you. What was it like to put together um, your three quintessential Marvel films? I wanted to choose one from every studio. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to stick with just MCU movies. And I think it's yeah. totally valid to do that. MCU is the best quality Marvel entertainment I think we've gotten for the most part. But when I look back at Marvel, I don't want to just look at the MCU and go, that's all we can do. I want to look at the more mature efforts. Um, Not saying that the MCU isn't mature, but I feel like they are handicapped by Disney a lot of the time in what that they can mm-hmm. showcase. You know, when you look back at the early MCU, when Paramount was in control, I feel like they had a lot more leeway with the content. Um, they didn't really have the means necessarily or the vision. I don't think yet. Um, yeah. but I feel like they nailed, um, the tone of each of their separate origin stories and stuff like that. And I kind of wanted to like, dissect that a little bit that's good um basically i did the same thing as you uh i wanted to pick uh i wanted to go sort of across marvel's whole you know timeline as uh as a studio as different studios so i did i did one film from each really studio or pop like side of the corner of the marvel universe you know um and I wanted to do ones during, you know, a little different times, you know, uh, just so we can get a take a look at Marvel's history and where to to see where it all started and how it has come to today. So that's what I did. Chris, what about you? Uh, for me, I, w- I wanted to like to use my stack to highlight a couple of just random picks throughout Marvel's history. And the idea behind the way I did it was that I wanted each pick to kind of when they're all put together, kind of chronologize. I don't know if that's the word. Like, like how Marvel, like, kind of was, what it became, and where it can go. So I kind of wanted to just get a little bit of a, a taste for, like, the eras of Marvel. I guess I could, that's the only way I can describe it as. That's, that's smart. I think we're all sort of on the same page here. So without further ado, let's get into the rules of the show and get into these picks. So... Once a week, we set a topic or theme and go our separate ways to construct our own three-film stack. Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we will mix and match our nine films to make the ultimate decision on what quintessential three-film stack we are checking out of this hypothetical video store. Alright, I'm starting off. Um, I'm going to take it back to um, sort of the Marvel franchise that I think really kicked off this big boom uh, in terms of its... Uh, a more general audience coming into these films because there was a franchise before this, uh, that Marvel franchise, but it was a bit more restricted. But here it was a uh the first batch of like popular PG thirteen Marvel films. Um, I'm I'm going with the X Men franchise, uh, and I am going with Brian Singer, our boy, 
friend of the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. Sorry, no, that's not, no, not him. Brett Ratner. I, that's Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner. Sorry, Brett Ratner. He, I'm not doing Brett Ratner. <laughs> Fuck Brett Ratner. Or John Lasseter. Or John Lasseter. No. Get those guys out of here. Uh, I'm going with Brian Singer's X2 is my first pick. Yeah. X I thought does. about it. It was... That I did. Is, I, it came close. I think it's one of my favorites of the early Marvel films. I mean, it's it's a thin crop to choose from if you're talking about a really good early Marvel film, I'd say. You know, I think they did mm-hmm. start out a bit rocky. You know, you got the likes of Hulk and Daredevil, you know, Ghost Rider, uh, Punisher. Uh, and, yeah, of course, you had, you know, Spider-Man and X-Men. But I think those two franchises what really uh, kicked it off, you know. So... Uh, with X2, I think it is the best of the early X-Men films. Um, it's certainly an improve. it's a sequel that's better than the original. It just builds upon expanding the team, expanding, uh, sort of the socio-political narrative of, of it all by introducing a new villain other than Magneto, which was Stryker, and sort of how he took care of the ma- uh, the mutants that it delved into Wolverine's past. Um, it introduced us great new characters like uh, Nightcrawler. I mean, that intro scene of Nightcrawler going into the White House and like kicking ass, that still stands out to me as one of the coolest comic book scenes ever, you know? Um, and it left off with quite a cliffhanger, which ultimately led to a disappointing film, but I think it, it goes off with a satisfying conclusion, you know? Um, I just think everything was worked on a bit better in this film. Then the first X Men, you know, I'm, th- I'm thinking like when all Striker's unit like invades the X Mansion and we finally get to see Wolverine go really berserk, you know, and take out all those guards. Even though it's not bloody or anything, uh, but it's still super satisfying to see him go crazy on those guys. Um, and yeah, it just leads to a really fun film. Um, and it's just crazy to see that Marvel movies looked like that back then, you know, um. It was like dark and like a little sleek, you know, like almost like the, the X-Men costumes themselves, that black, that black leather, you know, that they wore with like the the sort of X lining on it. It was interesting. Um, it's just interesting to see that we started there and where we are now. So that's why I picked X2. What do you guys think about it? I really like X2. I think it, like you said, it's one of Marvel's best films from like the earlier lineup. And yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I really like the spin on um, like the expanding on the themes of the X-Men, which is like basically just uh, civil rights, like basically discourse that goes on there. And there's like a lot of subtext that you can dive into with that and the depictions of especially Magneto and Professor X. Um, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot in here that's a, that's really great. Um, I definitely think the X-Men franchise has, I mean, the X-Men franchise has had a really rocky history. Um, so it's always hit or miss, but this is definitely one of their best moments in their history. And yeah, I can totally see why you'd pick this. How are you, Brandon? I have not seen X2 in a while, so, um... I'm just going because like I remembered I was doing some research for this just to see what I'd seen. And X2 is one of the higher rated Marvel movies that we haven't one talked about or two um, picked ever. 
So I, when I was like looking at it, I was like, yeah, I could pick X2, but I just don't have a lot to say. Like the stuff that I remember most are the ending and the beginning. Like I remember the Nightcrawler sequence. Uh, I remember it. Th- is this the one where they go to pick up uh, Iceman from his parents? Is that in this no. one? Is That's it not? The third is it? one. I, is it? Maybe I don't it know. Is it? It's is been it, a no, while. No, I Pyro. think it is. That is no, I think it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Okay, that sequence, and then and then the ending with Gene and Cyclops. Yeah. Even though that's expounded upon in a lesser good movie, I actually don't hate the Last Stand, but I don't love it either. So, um, yeah, those are the three moments I remember most, and that's mainly because I'm not really a fan of the X Men outside of Wolverine, you know, I've and Deadpool, because. When I look at the X-Men franchise and their comic books, I was never really a fan of like the the allegory that they were trying to make. I thought it was very thin. Um but I feel like this is the one of the best X-Men movies, you know. First Class did it well with their origin story. Logan's a great capper for Wolverine's story, but I feel like this yeah. is the closest they've ever got to like nailing what they're going for in the comic books. With the allegory mm-hmm, yeah. for racism and civil rights, because it def- sort of it definitely feels, scale. yeah, because like yeah. even though it's like a sequel, you know, I I feel yeah. like it does take a step back from the first one. Like, there's no fight on the Statue of Liberty. There's no fight on like a Golden Gate Bridge or a Brooklyn Bridge or something like that. It feels very like personal and intimate, kind of like Empire does, you know? Yeah, like I I I would say I like Days of Future Past more, but that's such a like a big event film for the x-men right you know that uh-huh. is cool to see that uh in this smaller tighter story that it's able to achieve all this you know that makes x-men mm-hmm. what they are you know right and i think they i don't i don't think it is i think it is more layered in this film like that's why this scene with the parents really gets to me most because yeah. you know that's like an emotional thorough line it's not i mean there's an action sequence at the end of that but it's not the driving force behind it. So, right. yeah. I, I like this movie a lot. I want to give it a rewatch sometime. But, yeah. Very good. Alrighty. Well, there's my first pick. Brandon, why don't you tell us your first Marvel film? So, I approach this with <laughs> the... Uh, I'm going to pick the first installment of something, the second installment of something, and the third installment of something. <laughs> So, but they're not the same franchise at all. So yeah. my first film is a Fox film, and it's the first installment that is Blade. Blade. Oh, Blade. Yeah. I, I, I just recently watched these for the first time. I think it was last year. And it's not because I had, like, never had interest in it. It's just that I've, like, I'm wa- I was waiting for the right time. And now that they've cast Mahershala Ali as Blade, I figured it's great to, like, step in and, like, see what character this is. Uh, how he fits into a universe not necessarily connected to the rest but how he could fit into something like the mcu and i i really enjoyed this i actually enjoy this more than blade 2 which i know is kind of an unpopular opinion but i think it's a it's a good origin story for blade as a character even though it's kind of skirted over because it kind of is like you jump right into him as a character and you learn his backstory throughout the first film and I think it's great. It it showcases Marvel doing like a sort of R-rated character. And I feel like one of the best justices they've ever done it other than the Deadpool films. Um, I think it's really 
really like 90s action too kind of cheesy because it is early 2000s so there's that lingering taste uh from those 90s action movies and it's a little silly like don't get me wrong i don't think a, the blade movie is a masterpiece but I, it is a very enjoyable action film that manages to do a lot of world building and character building and you actually really do i feel like care for the characters even if it's just a one movie sort of thing um but yeah and i think it in a lot of in some cases it is a little dated but i don't think you can like look past this and be like like write it off because it is early marvel and it's kind of one of the first things that sort of feels like they're adapting the comic books with some form of uh justice because you can look at like some of the earlier works that they did and you could be like it's an adaptation of a comic book it doesn't really feel like it whereas this kind of did feel like it was like ripped from the comic books at least tonally so yeah well well, i think that marvel's earlier stuff was like ripped too much like a comic book and was like not necessarily like what other films are you thinking before this one because this came out this came out 98 i'm thinking like i didn't know the year this came out 1998 uh what came out before this was like howard the duck and like captain america that 90s captain america and like I thought uh, it oh the incredible hulk show you know well i didn't know the year i just i thought it was like early 2000s that's why i said that like i thought oh. it was around the time with like okay well this came, never mind yeah, this came up before x-men and spider-man isn't that weird well then like they, yeah that they is weird off this era mm-hmm. that and is i think weird. it was so successful honestly i kind of disagree that's like i think it was so su- successful because it didn't feel like a comic book at least what comic books on screen were depicted as during this time you know because everyone was just coming off like batman and robin you know and like Mm -hmm. uh shaquille o'neal's like steel and like superman 4 and stuff like that and people were sort of not taking comic book films seriously or like you know uh not putting any weight to them so i think this film came out and surprised a lot of people because of how intense it was you know um i think blade's okay if i'm gonna be honest uh i think it's a it's it's a little bit too 90s edge for me um it has some great uh sequences though the blood rave um oh the beginning of the movie yeah i think the beginning of the movie is like it's it it sets off on a really high note and i think it sort of goes down as it goes along um and then, of course, what is the famous catchphrase that he says? It makes no fucking sense at all. Uh, some motherfuckers don't know how to ice skate uphill or something. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, and he, he he says that before he kills someone. I'm just like, huh? What does that, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody knows what it means to this day, which I think is funny. But Wesley Snipes, I mean, he kills Very charismatic. Uh-huh. Yeah, he is. Is this the is this the one where the the cops shoot him, and he's like, "What the what the fuck are you doing?" or something like that. I think that's Blade Trinity, but it's pretty good. Oh god, there's dogs. The hounds are going after me. Uh, I might not be alive after this episode, guys. Let's hope these hounds don't get me. Uh, but yeah, Chris, have you seen Blade? Nope, never seen a Blade movie before. I'd recommend them. It's interesting to look at it as a piece of Marvel history. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm excited to see what Mahershala does with the character. 
Um, but I'll, yeah, I'll definitely at least watch the first one before I, or first and second one before that comes out, which I have time for. So yeah, what don't don't even bother with three, dude. I couldn't even. I haven't. One. Yeah, you can just watch the first two. You know who did the second one though, right? Guillermo no. del Toro del- directed Blade. Oh, 2. del Toro did it. That's cool. Yeah. It it's kind of weird. Like I feel like. I was expecting something different, I feel like. I I didn't yeah. feel like a Del Toro movie from it. No, me neither. It feels very much along the lines of the first one. Right. Uh, but maybe with a bit more practical effects from the vampires. That's like the only Del Toroisms I felt, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I remember, actually, I went to the, uh, the Museum of Pop Culture in um, Seattle. And they had they it was like they had a big uh, movie monster exhibit, and they're like the uh-huh. vampires from Blade Two, and I was like okay, and I, was, uh-huh. I was like that's a that's a little random, but I guess they it was like all practical effects how they did like their mouths and stuff, which was cool. Um, I didn't know that. All right, starting off strong with some early Marvel films. Chris, what do you got? Uh, okay, we're not gonna be going strong after this pick. Um, what? I wanted to pick a film that I didn't I don't select this film with the intention of like this is the greatest moral movie ever made but I want I wanted to kick off my stack with a movie that kind of depicted like the early to mid 2000s like cheesiness that kind of found its way into these movies <laughs> yeah. um, we watched this movie for a movie night a little bit ago it's the first live action adaptation of Marvel's first family and my favorite Marvel characters, other than Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, yeah the Fantastic yeah. Four. I'm taking Fantastic Four. This really just mediocre movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is I mean, a good reason, way to describe it. <laughs> I mean, the reason I, I picked this movie is, like, I like I find it interesting that this movie is really... Like, it's sandwiched in this really weird time within the superhero genre's history. It was just after the success of the first two X-Men movies, Blade and the Spider first two Spider-Man films. So it felt like right like you know, it felt like, oh, like it would be the right time for this movie to introduce us to these really beloved characters from the comic books and everything. But it, yeah, it just wasn't quite there. I like I don't think I I feel I can speak for all three of us when I say like I don't think there's a huge amount of praise about this movie. Um there are a couple of things, but I'll get to that in a second, but like yeah, like, I don't. I don't feel connected to much that goes on in this film. Um, it feels like a. It feels a lot like a lot of loosely connected bits just strung together. Um, yeah, and like it, the story is so one layered and one note, and it's just kind of like it's a bit dull, but also kind of like in a weird way, like fun to watch for that reason. Um, the good stuff. I mean, Michael Chiklis is fantastic as the thing. Um, the Fantastic Four theme. I honestly think they did a really good job with that. I really like the theme that they had. I would love if they did um, when John Watts does his version. If he uses that as part of their theme, I'd find that really fun. But otherwise, yeah, bland movie. Um, I don't see this film as one that's going to be remembered for generations to come. But I do think this film serves really well as like a relic from that era of superhero films, and. You know, we've come a very long way since like 1944, Captain America, and to this to this movie, and then we, and there's a whole lot more to go from there. But yeah, you know, I think it's an interesting relic from that time, which is why I picked it. Um, I think 
Do you guys have anything to say about Fantastic Four? It's the best of those. I feel like the first Fantastic Four movie is probably the best of those shitty early Marvel movies, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, it's better than, like, the original... Like, I feel like it's better than Ghost Rider. I think it's better than... No, I think the it's better. Ghost Rider is actually, it's actually pretty insane. You I think Ghost Rider too. That Spirit one Vengeance. sucks. That one is. Horrible. That one is unbelievable. <laughs> that movie's unbelievable. I don't know if it's. I feel like it's better than the the sequel, <laughs> Surfer. No. Um, oh, Surfer. Oh, so better than Daredevil. Yeah. it's better than well I, it's just like it's it's capitalizes on the cheesiness of it all it's experimental it's just i don't think that's the tone that marvel should have struck with that movie yeah they i don't know why they haven't been able to nail these characters to be honest i'm not even the biggest fan of the fantastic four in the comic books but i remember thinking these are cool characters that you could sort of like do justice in live action or animation but they have never mm-hmm. been able to do it so it's kind of weird it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of this movie at all. Uh, it's just... it. All of these early Marvel films that are, like, mediocre, sort of, they all blend together for me. Like, like you're saying, like, Daredevil, Hulk, Fantastic Four, uh, you know, Blade Trinity, uh, what else? Yeah, Ghost Rider up there. Um... It was just, it's it's just really weird. It's just a really weird film. I don't know, like, because it's just so, like, it's just so bland. It's, like, very, it's a very white bread blockbuster, I would say. Um, yeah. But it does have some cool elements to it. Like, I think The Thing is probably the best part of the movie. I think yeah. Michael Chiklis, like, he, he does an amazing performance as The Thing, and, like, the makeup's really cool. Um, do you guys remember when we watched it? When he pulls up that toy figure of the thing. Oh, and, and then he crushes he it. it. And the thing toy screams out anguish. He goes like, ah! yeah. <laughs> That was, that is a really funny bit. I'm not going to lie. That was super funny. Um, but I don't know. I just, I the funniest thing I for me. Any chemistry between the family itself. And that's like the backbone yeah. of the Fantastic Four. Um. To like make a, su- a successful Fantastic Four movie, I feel like you just need to find actors who can be act like a family around each other, you know? Yeah. So, and Doctor Doom is awful in this movie. Awful. He's like some God some awful. business guy. I don't know. Then that just suddenly becomes Doctor Doom. I don't know, but yeah. I I like the thing. the The funniest thing for me is when Michael Chiklis breaks the stool at the bar and goes. And the people laugh at him, and he goes, "Not funny." Oh yeah, not funny. <laughs> <laughs> not funny, guys. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess it is a pretty good uh, way to sort of bookmark like where things were at the time with Marvel films. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's just so weird that they would adapt that. I don't know. I guess the Fantastic. It's just Four sort of like, watchable, but bad. Yeah. It, like I, I guess they were like popular, and like these like movies sort of tarnished that and made them like, isn't it weird that those movies like made them like C list characters even though they were like A list characters at the time? They used I, to be A list. Yeah, like, there was a they, time when like nobody fucking knew who Thor was. Yeah, but everyone knew the Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. 
but now it's like I, I honestly they're you're you're right about their repu- reputation being tarnished. Like these kind of crazy. Yeah, because everyone just thinks of these movies. They're like, oh god, no, I don't care about. That. And like, but now they think of the Josh Trank comic for like years because of it. You know, mm-hmm. it was wasn't until recently when they brought him back, like three or two or three years ago, which is insane. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good interesting first pick for this sort of history of Marvel movies, Chris. Uh, I respect yeah. it. Yeah, I respect it too. So, I'm going to go into my second pick here. We're sort of going back, we're going along the timeline. And by this point, we've seen the MCU created. Sort of the the grand uh, thing that has sort of dominated Marvel movies as it is now. And I wanted to pick a movie that sort of encapsulated the MCU itself and how it changed marvel films itself you know uh how it changed how what how what the marvel movie is um i wouldn't say it started the change but it is a good representation of this change uh because the mcu what it what it was able to do was sort of i once create a successful formula you know to creating these heroes um there's like a formula in pacing in cinematography I would say in casting and um, it also led the way uh, to creating such a successful franchise that more unknown characters uh, were getting films. Uh, Guys, I'm picking my second favorite movie of all time. I'm whipping it out on this list. Of course, I'm going with Ant-Man by Peyton Reed, 2015. The the greatest Marvel movie ever made. I'm going it with my second pick. I was going to lead up to the finale. But that would ruin my timeline here. Uh, I'm going with my second pick, pa- Ant-Man by Peyton Reed. I think this film just works so well as both a film as itself and an adaptation of a Marvel comic because you have sort of... Uh, it's a generational storyline. You know, you're playing with the concept that there was two Ant-Men, you know? There was, of course, Hank Pym's Ant-Man that operated back in the day. And that led to more like this more of a 60s sci-fi angle to it all. Um, and then of course you have Scott Lang, which was like Paul Rudd perfectly casted as this character, uh, who comes into the modern era and uh just goes on this mission to steal the Ant-Man suit, which is an iconic storyline for, you know, Scott Lang. Um and thus work with Hank Pym to steal the yellow jacket suit. And it's just got, I just think this movie has everything that an MCU movie has. And it just, it works on it better than all of them. Uh, it's got great comedy, great pacing, great pe- sequences. It's got standout uh, powers that make Ant-Man memorable. Um, and honestly, like, become a really standout character once he comes into play with the rest of the Marvel heroes in, like, Civil War and Endgame. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful film about underdogs fathers and daughters it's just i love this film look i got i'm right in between my ant-man and my ant-man of the wasp posters in my room i love this movie to death i love this character to death when i was a kid i just i just thought it was so cool when i watched avengers earth mightiest heroes you know i thought yeah, it, i thought his costume was the coolest and when i was a kid i was like that's gonna be my guy and he's still my guy to this day ant-man 
So that's what I'm going with my second pick. What do you guys think of Ant-Man? I mean, I virtually agree with everything you said. I, I really like this movie too. It is pretty high on my Marvel rankings list. Um, I obviously don't like it nearly as much as you do, but that's not because like I disagree with anything you say or, uh, or like yeah or anything like that. But it's just like I I don't know maybe it just didn't hit me the same way it does for you. Um, but yeah, you know I really do like this movie. I think it's really special, and it's, I really do think it's one of Marvel's better um, like like solo hero stories, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um yeah, it's fun, it's it's light, it's easy to get through, but also like has like emotion and um heart and fun to it. It's not it doesn't take itself too seriously, but just seriously enough. And yeah, it's it's just a good time. It's a really fun movie to watch. I think it's one of Marvel's most fun movies, honestly. Um and yeah, you know, I I could totally see why you picked this. Brandon? Hell yeah. Um Brandon, fellow Ant-Man fan. I know you are. I I know Ant-Man is one of my top five favorite superheroes has been. I was a little disappointed when I first saw the trailer and I, they were like going with uh, Hank or not Hank Pym, Scott Lang. Uh, mainly because I'm a very big Hank Pym fan. I love his arcs in like Earth's Mightiest Heroes is kind of like the moral, moral center for uh, the Avengers. He does that in the early comics too, but I feel like they did a good enough job at capturing cap in that role so i was like well you can't have two so scott lang made a great replacement and casting a comedian you know that was a good choice as well you know uh paul rudd is a a great actor not just a great comedian or comedy actor and i feel like he nails the action in this movie he nails the line delivery He, he even nails the heartfelt moments you you know they don't really spend a lot of time developing the relationship between evangeline lily and michael or yeah michael douglas and paul rudd but i feel like he nails it regardless uh i love i love the humor in this movie the direction i do i do i think it's a perfect movie no i do have problems with i i honestly don't think it's really paced all that well and it does at times feel a little less like the mcu which i think now is a kind of a good thing but when i first saw it i was like not really digging the vibe but it, it's like a welcome breath of fresh air i feel like it where it really lost me is like where it tried to combine like in the sequel you know where i feel like it tried to be a lot as mcu but with the same flavor and tone as the first ant-man which i didn't think worked as well personally mm-hmm. um but yeah this is a very good movie yeah. ha- top half of marvel for sure the upper echelons of marvel hells yeah all right that's my second pick i'm i'm curious how you guys have paced out this timeline of marvel so brandon let me know what your second film is so i get it well I, this is the second film in my list oh that's right because you're doing a sequel yeah so and i'm doing the third one and it and it's from a different studio it's from sony i'm picking spider-man 2 Ooh, i was close i was very close was to picking very, spider-man 2 i was also very 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 close i really i've talked about it before i I was never really a big fan of spider-man but this is the first spider-man movie that i really really liked uh before the tom holland ones and spider-verse and i think the reason why this struck a chord with me and i feel like it's the next successive development for marvel because you have the early successes that made them viable characters like with blade 
you know, Blade and Blade 2 were successful enough for people to be like, what else do they have? You know? Yeah. And it it doesn't really fit into, like, the the crappier, no offense to Chris, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Electra <laughs> sort of movies. I admit that movie's crappy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, and, like, seeing Spider-Man 2, I feel like it's the next, like, step to them making great film. Uh, and what I mean by that is look at, look at the character development in that movie and how unique it is, uh, in developing a relationship with Toby, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker and the rest of the world around him. I think the relationship with Dr. Octopus is really great. I even think the James Franco stuff in this movie is pretty good. Uh, I do. I think that he, his character is well utilized throughout the trilogy. No, but I feel like his jealousy and like kind of paranoia around Peter Parker is really good. Uh, I love, like I said, I love Dr. Octopus. The action in this movie is great. Uh, Peter struggling with his relationship with um, Kirsten Dunst is really good. Uh, there's a lot to like about it. And not only that, you kind of get to see like the people around New York's view of Peter Parker. Yeah, and the, that character. Yeah. And the New York is a character. <laughs> uh, but seeing him like interact with, regular people is really satisfying and i love that sequence on the train it's very good you get i kind of get misty-eyed and i'm not really one to cry in these sort of things bro same all right this is going to be an insane plot twist because we've talked about this film a bunch of times and i've always and those times we talked about it i've always been like it's good i think i think people overblow it a bit but then I recently rewatched it before uh, No Way Home, and I gotta say, it's a pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. Like I, I, I came. It took me like it took me four times to watch it, and that fourth time, I don't know if it was just like building up to No Way Home or anything, and just like reflecting on Spider-Man's legacy as a character when I was watching that movie. But watching Spider-Man Two, I was just like, okay. I finally get why people love this movie. I think it's like, I don't think it's a perfect film. Um but I do think it's pretty fucking great. Uh like I still have a problem with the visual effects. Uh some of the melodrama But it's on 2002. That... 2002, man. Let Bro, it go. The Lord of the Rings movies came out in 2002. Like Yeah, but that was Weta. Like Weta didn't work on Spider-Man 2. Okay, well I I don't know. I'm not making excuses. Like I'm just saying, it's could still be done. You know, it's there, it's still be done. I don't care who worked on it. And it's, I'm just saying, it hasn't aged well. You know, um, and some of the melodrama, of course, of like Peter Parker trying to be decide to reject Spider-Man in this movie uh, gets a little melodramatic at times, but still, I think it's a very classic Spider-Man story. You know, which is what makes it memorable overall like i can't say the same about uh like the amazing spider-man movies like outside of gwen stacy's death or something like i don't know very quintessential about it um yeah uh i think uh the mcu spider-man movies uh i think there's some quintessential moments in no way home and homecoming um but more so it's sort of focuses on Spider-Man's place in a bigger universe rather than, you know, some uh some of the more uh deeper solo stuff, which I think this film um 
does quite amazingly, you know? Um, just with Peter Parker just showcasing that this dude does not have an easy life, you know? That this dude is poor as shit. He's struggling to keep jobs, uh, to balance his social life with his life as a hero, with his academic life. Um, and just having that counteract against, like, having to go up against Dr. Octopus, a man that he respects. Um, yeah. It's hard for him to balance it all. Yeah. And I just think And I feel like they never capture it that way. I don't think any Spider-Man movie does a really good job at capturing that. Other I than think, this one. I think Homecoming does it first, but it's a very amateur way, which makes sense because he's very young, you know? Like, he's balancing his social life in high school, but the stakes aren't really that big because it's not really, like, uh, I wouldn't, not life or death, but, like, the things that he's sacrificing in Spider-Man 2, like, mean a lot, you know, because it's, like, it's his job, and it's, like, it's his education. For in, in Homecoming, it's, like, just his social life as a high schooler. So it's not as big, you know, but it's still, like, you can still tell it means a lot to the Peter Parker then, but here it's, like, you can tell what this, like, how much this dude has to give up by being Spider-Man, and I really hope they go back to this for the future Spider-Man movies, you know? Because, like, mm -hmm. Sam Raimi just kills in this one. And it's got good horror in it, you know? The hospital scene? Come on. It's great. I love it. Chris, I know you are a huge Spider-Man 2 fan. You probably love it more than both of us. What yeah, else is there to say is, about Spider-Man 2? Because I think you're the only one who keeps a, choosing it. <laughs> this is a five-star movie for me. I love this movie. I think... Um, it's a beautiful Peter Parker story. I, but I buy into pretty much everything it does. Um, I also have a very personal connection to this movie because of its story. Um, but on top of that, yeah, just good filmmaking, man. Like it's so much fun. It's like, there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of emotion. It's, it, this movie's technically a melodrama. I would argue that this movie's a melodrama if you really think, if you really go into it. Yeah. But it's, it's just great. It's so much fun. And. I don't know. I, I it gets huge nostalgia points for me. Obviously, I watched this movie a lot growing up, but I just think it's fantastic. It's my favorite. It is by far my favorite Spider-Man movie ever made. I wouldn't say it's the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made, but it's my favorite. Um, and yeah, there's not much else for me to say beyond what you guys have already said. So yeah, I think I approve. I highly, highly approve of this one. And there we go. All right. Well, Chris, what other highly film do you highly, highly approve of? Because it's your time for the second pick. What is it? All right. Say what you will about this movie and its director. Uh, I'm picking The Avengers. The oh, my movie, God. The one. I, 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 it's very respectable. Yeah. you yeah, like. I think this is like, a great film. I love yeah. this film. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously, like, this movie has, like, in a weird way, I feel like gotten kind of left in the dust because when compared against like what the Avengers movies eventually became, this feels a little like a little mid in comparison, at least to me, Not wrong. but you know, this movie isn't perfect. I don't even think the film's most adamant defenders will argue that it's perfect, but um, you know, uh, okay. Like what things like, do I not like, I mean, the filmmaking can feel a little schlocky at times to me. It's very Whedon esque. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, I think you see a lot of that when it comes to, like, just seeing the way Whedon directs his films and the way things are paced and edited. It's really apparent that Whedon is directing. Um, I think that a great comparison example is uh, Justice League, 
like the Snyder and Whedon versions and how distinct they are. Um, but the thing about this movie that really makes it exciting is that seeing these characters that had been established in their in their own respective movies crossing paths for the first time was a massive thing for the, not only this industry, but I think for a lot of us, because it was like, wow, like we never thought that this kind of thing could happen. And, but, and yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those movies where it's flawed, but it's very charming. The characters are very fun and charismatic. They really, the actors really, I feel like find their footing with their characters in this, in this version. Um, yeah, great dramatic tension, world building. Um, and, you know, it admittedly, like, tries and it succeeds with a lot of what it's going for, but can often pale in comparison to a lot of what it, this all eventually builds up to and, and into what the MCU has evolved into. But nonetheless, it's a very fun movie. I like, I really like a lot of what it does. Loki's great. I love seeing the team together for the first time. You know, just a fun, good, good movie. I like it. Um, I think you guys are warmer to this movie than me. Um, oh, yeah. Anything you want to say about it? It's it's one of those films where you're like, where were you when you saw the Avengers? You know, <laughs> I know exactly where I was. Yeah, yeah, because like, it's it's just like I think, of course, I Iron Man's the movie that started it all, but this one is like what really started it all because it it was like, it was the first superhero film. I think it was to make a billion dollars. Did Dark Knight make a billion dollars? Yes, yeah. but it was like barely. It was barely. But it was the one, first. Fi- this like one point five or something. Yeah, and I remember it's it shocked everybody because people were like, they liked the Phase One Marvel films. You know, they liked Iron Man and they thought Thor and Captain America were like good. You decent, know? yeah, decent. But I don't think anyone was really aware how excited everyone was to see these characters team up. And I think as much as you hate him, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hand it to Joss Whedon for really making it so these characters interact really well and charmingly together, you know, for the Mm -hmm. first time. Uh, But I think you gotta also give a lot of the credit to Kevin Feige and how he sort of mapped this all out. Um, Sure, there are moments where, yes, it feels like a TV show thanks to Joss Whedon, you know, rather than a cinematic film. But like, I still, I, like I said, I know exactly where I was when I saw uh, this film for the first time, the century 16 at sugar house with my friends, Colby, Luke, Milo, Milo was with me. We all saw it. And then we got pizza after and played on the trampoline to pretend to be pretended to be the Avengers. Um, I saw this in a double feature with battleship battleship. The fuck? Yep. God damn it. Twenty twelve was a hot year, man. It was a hot summer, baby. Um But yeah, I just I think I, I think I picked this film as one of the uh I remember we did the most significant films of the decade. I picked this one just because I think it's really shaped uh modern blockbusters as as a whole, you know? Um and how what studios strive for when they're making a blockbuster franchise. They want their Avengers moment, you know? They want something that can pay off as well as this. That has, of course, later paid off to in even larger feats. But I think this is a very good midpoint Marvel to see. Like, this is where it took off, you know? Mm-hmm. It was really good. This is where it took off. And then it's just been up and up from there. What do you think, mm-hmm. Brandon? I think... 
this was the first MCU movie I saw in theaters. Not that I was a big Marvel Comics fan before, but whether that be because my parents were like more strict on the movies I could watch growing up or um, I just didn't have it wasn't on my radar because I remember seeing like promotional stuff for Captain America, the first Avenger and seeing that on a cruise ship for the first time. And I remember seeing the first Iron Man, but I don't remember Iron Man 2, Hulk or Thor. They weren't really on my radar until like after the Avengers came out. Yeah. And I remember loving this movie because I was a big fan of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I was a big fan of the comic books and it was my favorite movie. I think it held the title as my favorite movie for a little bit, but I've kind of soured on it over time. I still think it's a good movie. I had just have problems with the pacing of this movie. I think after watching it with other MCU movies, especially like it is one of the worst paced MCU movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it is like, it takes its time, but it almost takes too much time. And I think it, the reason why it does that is just so that, um, <laughs> just so that it, everybody who didn't watch all the other MCU movies, like could watch this one and that's kind of the last time you could really do that with the, these movies yeah yeah no you, you that's know, true because like since then you i kind of feel like you have to watch everything they don't like recap those previous movies there's a reason why the end credit scene for the first avengers movie is a trailer for the avengers you know yeah for captain america is the avengers. yeah 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 exactly and that why that's in the movie is the, because they're so like you know intrinsically connected and they want people to be in the loop about it but yeah the writing's very funny uh the quippiness of whedon works here with their team dynamic it's a very exciting movie nonetheless team up movies before this and crossover events didn't really happen in movies so this was really cool um yeah it definitely has its ups and downs as a movie for me but it is still very good so i'll give him that Hell yeah. Alrighty. We're, we've made good midway points through this history of Marvel. Let's see how we all end this thing. Um, I'm going first, and I would be quite surprised if I don't double stack, or maybe even triple stack. I might even kick us into a triple stack here. I don't know. I'm picking Spider-Verse. I'm picking Spider-Verse. Double stack. No, Brandon, you fuck. God I already, damn. I already picked a Sony movie. Oh yeah, you already did. Well, double smack, double smack. <laughs> oh! <laughs> double stack, Spider Verse. That's right, baby. Um, I had to pick this one because I think, yeah, it's just like it's the perfect segue into what the future of Marvel storytelling, uh of just any comic book storytelling. I think a lot of filmmakers are looking to Spider-Verse now to see how to um, respect a character and their legacy and how to move them forward, you know? So you have, of course, a great love letter to Peter Parker himself, but also a love letter to Miles Morales and what Spider-Man can mean to a lot of different people by giving Miles Morales the mask and making him the hero. I mean, this movie is absolutely fantastic. 
uh, amazing score, um, visuals. I, it's changed the animation game. I you can see you can see before your very eyes how much Spider Man is has influenced animation now. Like yeah. Mitchell's versus the mach- machines, the bad guys. You can see a little Spider Verse in there where it's sort of incorporating uh 2d aesthetics with 3d animation um you can see that with a new puss in boots movie coming out you can see that with turning red i can feel you know um you can just you can feel the effect of spider-verse rippling across the animation industry because it's that amazing of a film and it is a heartfelt film it is just it's everything you want in a superhero film wrapped up in all in one package i think this film is absolutely incredible remember when we thought it was all the hype and praise it's been given what do you do you remember when we all thought it was gonna suck yeah i thought it was gonna suck i'm like why are they making a spider-man animated movie that's so weird and like and i was like i i felt it was like a little disrespectful to make it a miles morales movie i'm like he should be he should be in the live action world why are you dumping this animated film on him you know it's just gonna be this weird animated film for kids uh but look how wrong I was. Lo and behold. Lo and yeah. behold. It's not my favorite Spider-Man film. It's my second favorite. I still think Homecoming is my quintessential Spider-Man film for me personally. So good. Yeah. It's a very good film. But Spider-Verse is just like... I it's I, I don't see how someone could not love this film. You know? It just it yeah. works on all levels. What do you guys think yeah. of Spider-Verse? Chris, this, we double stack. What this do you think? Mo- this movie recently actually hit five stars for me. Um, yeah, I mean, you already talked about like the nuances of the animation. It's amazing how they do it. The, um, you know, there's just so much to talk about. It's an incredible visual and auditory experience. Um, the original score and soundtrack are is fantastic. The characters are so flawed and human, but also so like down to earth and real and like, but it also still charismatic and fun. Um. It opens up doors for larger realms of storytelling in the future, which we know is going to be coming. Um, but yeah, it never compromises in its approach to its topics on like grief and family and responsibility and expectations. And it's all framed in this one very clean and cohesive story about um, an up-and-coming Spider-Man in Miles Morales and his very, very colorful uh, cast of companions. Um, yeah, of just a beautifully done comic book adaptation. Um, not only did the story characters and themes come through, but the comic book styling and aesthetic really found its way into the animation. And I think it, the the team did a fantastic job of translating this story between those mediums. Um, mm. It preserved what was so good from before, but also honed in on new techniques and just really went for it. And yeah, good movie. Can't wait for the sequel. Can't wait. Uh, hey, RIP. It got pushed. It got pushed to next year. God damn it. And then they announced yeah. the title for the third one, Beyond the Spider-Verse. So I'm like, what the fuck is that going to be? It's going to be live action. I think that's their thing. I think they're going to try and get into MCU, make them journey into the MCU. And yeah. And live action characters. I mean, that would make sense. That would certainly make I mean, sense. Or at least I don't get, know. Like, they may not permanently stay in the MCU, you know, but like certainly have Miles, that been, Miles Morales oh. pop up in there. Yeah. I don't know. Bran, what do you think about this movie? Uh, I really love Spider-Verse. It's one of my favorite superhero movies. Why didn't I pick it? Uh, I felt like it would be picked. 
<laughs> mainly right. that's the reason uh also i was like i think spider-man 2 is a really good movie as well deserves its recommendation there's flowers um this is a great animated superhero movie there are only a few of those the incredibles <laughs> basically uh but it's very good i mean animated in terms of like connected to the to a cinematic universe not like uh those standalone animated films that you're used to seeing yeah uh but yeah, I, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a really good grounded story. I don't think it it's groundbreaking necessarily. I think technically it is. But narratively, I, it still feels very like the same story you're used to seeing for origin stories for a Spider-Man character, which is them learning to take the responsibility they have uh, through the death of a relative or the corruption of a relative or both in this case yeah and i i feel like that is like yeah it's like too samesy for me i guess not saying it's a bad thing i just think it that's it's just samesy you know i'm used to it so not saying it stretches its bounds narratively but i think it does really good at balancing all these multiversal elements and not making it only like like you know how like they have like the noir Spider-Man and the anime Spider-Man and the pork Spider-Man that John Mulaney plays? Yeah. Like I feel yeah. like a, a lesser film would get carried away with those characters rather than focus on the three interesting ones that they have, like yeah. Spider-Gwen yeah, and uh, and uh, Jake Johnson Spider-Man. And really I think this movie supports, you know, and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I feel like they they do a good job at like establishing what makes spider-man tick even when it's not a peter parker character you know yeah so i i think that's where this movie shines and like you're right the animation is probably the best thing we've seen in a while from animation because it inspired people to go back to 2d along with the peanuts movie to go back to 2d and 3d mixing and then it's getting us in more creative stylistic directions outside of the superhero genre yeah and i i feel like that's what i most appreciate from this movie it's just so exciting that this film was like you were wondering after like 3d animation sort of almost peaked you know with some of the later pixar films you're like where is animation going to go from here like what what's the 2020s going to look like for animation and then you see this come along and you're like okay this is what the next decade is going to look like. It's like really going to play with it to give us some really visually interesting things because we know that we can make things photorealistic, but now like we can make things super visually dynamic and engaging. That mm -hmm. just makes you all the more enthralled by the spectacle and of I, animation itself, you know? Yeah, they capitalize on style. And honestly, yeah. I'm happy for it because I feel like with Toy Story 4, that's the furthest we're going to go in terms of photorealism, you right. know? Yeah. So so it's like, all right, we've we've reached that max potential and we can replicate it with good narratives maybe, but like Turning Red has such a unique style and so does Spider-Verse that it's like those movies have their own flavor that works. And I wonder how that people can just slightly adjust it to make it different. Exactly. I love it. Super good. Yeah. All right, Brandon, let's wrap this up with your last Marvel pick. What's well, going to be? Bro. All right. Could so this movie. Film, a third MCU film. Yeah. So there are three choices here that I could go with. Four. 
No Way Home. Oh, no, I'm not counting that. No? Because it's Sony. Okay. Technically. Uh, so I'm not choosing I know what you're Thor doing. Ragnarok. Mm-mm. I'm not choosing Captain America Civil War. What? I'm choosing Iron Man 3. What? Oh, <laughs> God. All right. And the reason why I'm choosing this movie is not just because I really like it. I'm choosing this movie because it is the first Disney Iron Man or MCU movie, and it's the last Paramount movie because they both co-produced this movie. That's right. It, th- this this uh the the Avengers and Iron Man three was kind of the turning point for the MCU and Marvel movies and the turning point for this universe because this is where they were like sort of adapting the same visual style. They took. A director who was known for their indie work was Shane Black, and they gave him a big budget Marvel movie. It was the first Phase Two movie. This movie is like, for so many reasons, the first of the new era. And I also really like it and think it is one of, if not the most underrated Marvel movie out there because of its depiction of Tony Stark as a character. The way it wraps up his trilogy is really fantastic. It kind of like sends his character in, I think, a new contemplative direction. And a lot of people would criticize him and go, but he destroyed all of his suits. Like, why did he keep tinkering and like go through this arc in Avengers 2 and Civil War and all of those later MCU movies? And I think you could very much look at his character and say, yes, that trilogy of Iron Man through Iron Man 3 does like present a complete arc and it goes on after that but i feel like it's like the same arc woody goes through in the toy story movies yeah yeah like whereas like he is a changed person and it sends him on in a new direction and how to take iron man versus the iron man trilogy in which he's kind of a narcissist um and you are presented that and they utilize the crossover elements so well here and I didn't like Iron Man 3 when it first came out because I was really disappointed expecting another Avengers-like crossover movie. I felt like every one of these movies was going to start to be like those comic books where just random superheroes just popped up just randomly. And that's kind of what they've sort of become. Like with like Thor Ragnarok and something like that, having Hulk randomly in it. Yeah. But like Iron Man 3 doesn't really do that. It takes his character development from the Avengers in which he's falling through that wormhole. And it gives him post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety and a panic attack. like, And that's so realistic and brilliant for them to take the character of Iron Man. And not only that, he's sort of a changed character from those first two Iron Man movies and the Avengers movie. So all of that carryover, great character development for him, for Rhodey, for Pepper, for Jon Favreau's Happy. Like, there's a lot of good stuff to mine from this movie. And I think a lot of people, their big bone to pick with this movie is the villain and yes killian is over the top guy pierce probably wasn't the right choice and to make him the mandarin originally was not a good choice Mm -hmm. but i don't think the twist where the mandarin is actually (laughs) uh where that the mandarin is fake and that ben kingsley is playing this character i don't think that's as big of an issue looking back now especially because of what they've done to retcon it. And and I think it's a very funny twist. I, I remember laughing about it. But not really being 
you know, but it, it still has such a unique flavor to me in comparison to the rest of the MCU that yeah. I can't overlook that. So I really like Iron Man 3. I know I'm in the minority. It's like in my top 10 Marvel movies. But yeah, I it's like it's a threequel. It's the first uh, phase two movie. So it's them branching out past their origin stories. It's the first Disney, the last Paramount. I don't know. It's really good. I, okay. I see what you're going at here. I can see what you're doing. I appreciate it. I do think Iron Man 3 is a good movie. I think uh, I'm actually the opposite of you. I loved, 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 loved Iron Man 3 when it first came out. And now as I as I watch it, I'm like, okay, it's good. I just don't think, I think it does a really, I think it sometimes can be hit or miss handling his post avengers anxiety and ptsd it's a cool twist on sort of the demon in the bottle storyline i would say where it's tony stark uh you know uh coming to terms with himself and his own demons you know uh, of course this times it's ptsd and anxiety not alcoholism mm-hmm. um which i think maybe they should have thrown alcoholism in there as a response to his like anxiety and ptsd but that's I don't know. Maybe they think now. it would have been a step backwards because of Iron Man. And 2. it's a Disney Cause... movie. They're not going to do alcoholism. I don't know. You know. That's true. I mean, they they did have him drunk in Iron Man too, but like they're not going to have that be a problem with him in the third one. And like, of course, I really appreciate the Mandarin stuff now. You know, now that we have Shang Chi and we can like, we finally have a de- a definitive Mandarin. I I appreciate what they do in this film. Um. It's just, I don't know. It's it's a very uh, interestingly uh, contained film for the last Iron Man movie starring Robert Downey Jr. that we'll ever see. You know, the last solo Iron Man movie. Like, he gets his arc finished in Endgame, but like, I just wish we had like one more solo Iron Man movie in between this and Endgame. Uh, but I don't know. That's just me. Chris, what do you think about Iron Man 3? I mean, you guys basically said everything there is to say about it. it uh, I like a lot of the ideas that it goes for. I think it does succeed in a lot of them, but also it has its own fair share of pitfalls that it falls into. Um, still good movie, though, especially, like, you know, just considering what it goes for. I think it does a lot really well. Um, yeah. I just think it's a great way to build um tony's character before he ventured off into kind of just becoming either like a more passive presence in the other films other than civil war where he's a lot more active Mm. or like or being like the lead in like uh, the future avengers movies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um yeah it was it was a nice final story for him like a contained singular story for him outside of the rest of the avengers and yeah i like this movie it's good it's good it's good all righty that is an interesting Marvel film stack that we have right here. A lot of interesting picks. Um, it's going to be tricky pinning it down to just two more to finish off this stack. But let's see if we can do it. Uh, so let's run down all of our picks one more time before we do it. Of course, I had X2, Ant-Man, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Brandon, what were your picks? I had Blade, Spider-Man 2, and Iron Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, uh, I had Fantastic Four, The Love Avengers, it. and Spider Man mm-hmm. into the Spider Verse. Okay, so Spider Verse is a lock, and I think that's also a lock for our last film 
in this trilogy. Because it's say. the newest. Yeah. It's the most modern. Yeah. We can sort of break this down between our going between our first first films and our second second films, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. What were our first films? So our first films uh, are X2, Blade, and Fantastic Four. <laughs> Alright, let's kill Fantastic Four. That was just for conversation's sake. Okay. Um, unless you guys wanted, but I doubt you would. Um You know what? I think no, I, sorry. No, we can kick. I'm not saying you know what to Fantastic Four. Yeah, no, that's that's out of here. I'm gonna say Blade, because that is truly the first Marvel blockbuster. I would say that that was a success. That's the one that's really, really kicked it all off. I don't it's think it's the lot of reason people... we have characters like yeah. Spider Man. Like I think people give X-Men. too much praise to X Men and Spider Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Though. Even though people probably didn't see Blade as a Marvel character because he was sort of a lesser-known Marvel character, you know. But that sort of gave, that sort of gave him the like the opportunity to become as like a fresh film character in the eyes of audiences, and I think because of that, then that opened their eyes to Marvel, what Marvel movies can be, and that's why we have what we have today, you know. So I would argue Blade, um. Then I would say, honestly, I would say the Avengers. I would honest. say the Avengers as well, because that's where it takes off. That's where you see the boom, you know. Yeah, and yeah. And then we end with Spider Verse to see the show us like where we are now and how insane Marvel and, movies are now. Yeah, and where it's and where it's gonna go because it opens up some doors. The Avengers kind of dated, but, but that's like. like that's the point of this stack, you know? So is yeah. Blade. Blade's kind of dated. But you know what's not dated? Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, because that's the future, baby. Mm. That's what it's all, all going to be. That's the future, baby. That's the future, baby. Forrest Gump and Austin Powers, baby. <laughs> that's so cool. I love it. All right, oh, guys, you, you like so this cool. stack? You like this stack in this order? Yeah. What say like ye? Alrighty, well, let's run down Stack's official quintessential Marvel film movie stack, starting with Brandon. You want to kick us off with our first film, not our last our, film, our first film. Our first film is Blade, a good origin story for the Marvel characters, I guess. And it showed that these comic book characters could be commercially viable uh, comic book properties while adapting a very lesser-known character, I'd say. Probably more B-list than it would be A-list or C-list. And it's a good horror movie, a good action movie. Blade. There we go. And our second second film is The Avengers, directed by Joss Whedon. The formative film that really instated what Marvel was going to become in the next 10 years going forward. Um... A very charismatic, fun, and exciting film to watch. Um, and yeah, just a just a foundational piece of MCU history. And or Marvel movie history. Marvel movie history. And our last film. And our last film is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a film that gives us a look at what's what we can look forward to in the future of Marvel films, of animation, of blockbuster filmmaking, of engaging storytelling. Um, with beautiful animation, 
beautiful characters and a beautiful message that anyone can wear the mask. Um, it there you don't get more Spider you don't get much more Spider Man love than this film. Uh, and it, it is just a beautiful ride that I can't wait to see how it affects comic book films going forward because we can start to see the effects now but i don't think they've really set in yet and that's exciting so that is our stack that is our episode for marvel films everybody uh thank you all so much for watching for listening uh let us know what your favorite marvel films are in the comments like i know that's sort of a hotly debated topic right now the the, the title of the marvel film you know, in terms of quality and what it's doing to the industry. But still, you got to have one that you like, right? Maybe you got a favorite. Let us know about it. Let us know in the comments. Did uh, anybody have any honorable mentions that they wanted to roll off? That is good. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, anybody got any honorable mentions? I got a couple. You go first. You okay. go first. So, of course, I had Spider-Man 2. Um that I didn't put that was literally up until we started the episode it was on my stack instead of Spider-Verse. Um I had Guardians of the Galaxy, uh the first Iron Man, um X-Men Days of Future Past. Um the first Avengers was an honorable mention of mine. Uh and Civil War. Those are my honorable mentions. And Black Panther. Cuz I think Black Panther is also a very important Marvel film that we just never didn't touch on. But those are my own mentions. What were yours, Brandon? I had X-Men Days of Future Pass, X2, The Wolverine, um, First Avenger, Civil War, and Guardians of the Galaxy. And I considered either Eternals or Doctor Strange just for like newer MCU. Not necessarily because I think they're the best. And then I didn't consider it because I knew it would be chosen, but I I knew uh, the Spider-Verse is, like, gonna get some popular buzz. So I was like, ah, let me be a little different here. Yeah. Well, I I was the same with Spider-Man 2. I was like, I thought, I thought that was gonna get picked, you know, lots of times. So I was like, I'm gonna go with Spider-Verse. I don't know, you know? Because I know mm-hmm. it's an all-time favorite for one of our crew members. So I wanted to change it up a bit. Chris, mm-hmm. you got any honorable mentions? Um, I mean, like you said, Spider-Man 2, absolutely. Um, I'm scrolling through here. I'm just trying to see Logan. That's yeah, the Logan's one. Oh yeah. Um, uh, what else we got? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, my favorite MCU film. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. Loki, Loki was good. Shang Chi's good. Just putting a mini series. We've done it before. We put Blue Planet 2. <laughs> Planet Blue. We've done it before. You're welcome. You're welcome, gentlemen. Ooh. I'm breaking barriers for this fucking show. I, yeah, Loki I thought about. I was just, I don't know. Loki, Loki thought about it. Loki thought about it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember when we lived at SNET 1, uh, Ben would be like, Loki? And like Ethan, he would just keep saying it, or they would keep saying it with Ethan. Yeah. And I would, I would just be in the other room, like, <laughs> come on, the good old days. But yeah, that was a viable option. Glad we didn't pick it; would have been a long triple feature. We did. Um, but yeah, so there are all more mentions. Let us know your favorite skin. And-
Thank you so much, so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Stacked, everybody. Bye-bye.